All right. I guess first thing I want to do, it, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, you know, or, or thank, I should say, the, the coaching staff, our scouting staff, um, you know, community relations, our sports science, our strength coaches, our trainers. Throughout this draft process, whether it was, you know, the combine medical, uh, the film evaluations by the coaches, traveling to pro days, um, you know, these 30 visits we've had, you know, it's been all hands on deck for the entire organization, you know, the meal room, the cafeteria, you name it, everybody throughout the organization's done a phenomenal job through this process. You know, my first exposure to, you know, a lot of the people on the team and uh, it's been nothing but great so far and looking forward to, you know, getting to the draft a week from tomorrow and, you know, I think a lot of the hard work will pay off. So with that being said, you know, I'll open up for any questions. There's always the philosophy, best player available, and then there's filling a need. How do you approach this whole thing? I think where we are, our roster, I think, you know, there's several needs to, to you know, to put a finger on exactly what the biggest need is um, would be difficult. So I think if you can find two really good football players at, at five and seven, um, you know, that's how we've stacked the board. Like, let's just throw need, whatever perceived need it is out, who are the best football players in this draft? And, you know, we've set a vertical board and we have a horizontal board as well. So we're still working through that. It's not completely set. There's, there's some conversations still to be had, but, um, you know, I don't think you can go wrong with drafting good football players. Joe, you said, you said that you had wanted to identify seven players for seven spots. How close to doing that are you at this point? We're close. We're close. We're, we're going to get with the coaches. I know Dave's mentioned that earlier. Um, you know, the scouts just left on Tuesday, so we'd had some some meetings with them. We kind of set the board how how we saw things, and we met with the coaches and you know got their rankings and how they see things. So there's a few players where you know we're going to shut the door and, and lock it and have knock knockout dragouts, and uh, when we come out, we're going to make the best decision for the Giants. But there, there's not a lot of players that we're you know there's a big separation in terms of how we see them. So um, do I have seven right now? Yeah, as a, as a personnel staff, you know, we actually did like a one through, you know, a hundred vertically, you know, as, a, as an exercise. Um, but we're going to get with the coaches and just make sure that we, you know, we're on board with not just seven, if there's a move back scenario, whatever that is. Um, do we have 10, 15, you know, 20 players that we like and make sure we get them in the right order as football players. process are you trying to figure out what Carolina might do does that factor in how you might order your picks yeah yeah I've, I've thought about that several times you know what are they doing you know trying to figure out what position they might go because that will make a make a difference in what you do you know if you're if you're sitting there at five and there's somebody you really like and there's two other players that maybe at the same position that you like as well or just two players in general that you're happy with um, regardless of position, that can also, you know, factor into who you take at number five. So, yeah, I'm, if you've got a crystal ball, I'd love to see it. But that's we're going through several several of those scenarios. Uh, who may be there? You know, if they are, you know, how how we're gonna, you know, go through and make the pick and what we're gonna do. John, you mentioned uh, I think in an interview with the team's website that you'd like to get as many at bats as possible. Roster building is never really a one-year thing, but are you approaching it this year as a one-year thing, or are you maybe looking to get some at-bats for down the line? Yeah, both. I'd be open to both. You know, again, just I said it in my introductory press conference, you know, we still want to compete today and build for tomorrow. So, you know, playing both sides of that, you know, if it's picks this year or picks into the future, um, you know, again, those are cost-controlled assets that young players that, uh, you know, could really help us set the foundation here. So I'd be open to, to either or. Joe. The offensive tackle group coming out, 
<clears throat> everybody talks about Neil and Guano. But how about Charles Cross in Mississippi State? Should he be in that conversation with those two? And do you project him as like a top 10 pick in this draft? I'm gonna give you our board. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not gonna talk about you know any specifics or something. Charles is a really good player, you know, really good feet. You know, we like him. Whether he should be up in that group or not, um, you know, that's for everybody to decide. We'll see how it falls on draft night, and then over time we'll see how it plays out. But um, you know, all three of those players that you mentioned are are talented and, and good players, and they're great kids, and I think they all have bright futures. Rubik's Cube for years now. How committed are you and your staff to leaving the draft believing you can put a capable, perhaps even occasionally dominant offensive line on the field starting in September? Yeah, I think Dave said it earlier too. Like the offensive line's important and there's several other positions that are important for us to go compete. And and I understand again I wasn't here in the past. I'm not sure exactly you know everything that went on I've, i'm privy to you know recently you know where the offensive line was and we tried through free agency with the the resources we have um to upgrade the offensive line the best we can and that'll continue through the draft and again i you know if you want to build it up both sides of the ball build it up front you know offensive line you know that's that's very important and you know to get our best version of saquon daniel you know the entire offense that to your point that's going to be very important you know to get that right whether it's running the ball or pass protection so um that, that will definitely be a priority. You know, if it's, it's just the, the need, the value, um, where that is, like you just gotta make sure it mirrors up or you're gonna be in the same boat. You know, if you try to force it and it's, it's not the right value and we're sitting up here next year saying the same thing. Well, yeah, we needed a guard so we reached for him but the value wasn't right. So you gotta make sure when those two, you know, meet and they mirror each other, then that's when you're gonna make the best decisions. You know, talk about the possibility of like training back. <laughs> Yeah, I've been there before. Like you get greedy and you're like, let's move back, and then that guy's gone. You know, are you gonna sleep better at night knowing you got an extra sixth round pick and you move back four spots, but you lose the guy you want, or you just let's just take the guy and not be greedy? So you play through all those situations. Um, you know, again, that's why sometimes I'll do a vertical board, just how many players are available, who do we like if we move back X amount of spots, are we gonna get one of these five guys? Yes, then it makes sense, and you get an extra pick. So. Um, it's not something I have to do, um, but we'll, we'll take phone calls, we'll listen, you know, we'll analyze it, and then you know, we'll call the team back if they're calling and let them know if we'll do it or not. So, 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 chance, this is a chance you go into this draft and you get the number one cornerback in this draft, depending on, you know, because you're drafting so high. I would think your approach and your whole operations approach is different whether James Bradbury is on the depth chart or he's not on the depth chart, you know, because it's the number one cornerback either here or not here. Is, is, do you think he can be here? And if he's not, how much does that affect how you go into the draft? So what's your, your question is more about James, not? Well, about both. I mean, if James, you know, if you think James is. You th there's going to be a number one corner there at five? Yeah. OK. You got the crystal ball. Um, okay. we'll, we'll see. I don't know. Yeah, again, I don't know who the number one, two. Um, you know, we'll figure that out. But yeah, I've had great conversations with James Bradbury's uh, representatives. I've talked to James. Uh, he can still play in this league. He's still starting corner. Um, you know, we, we've talked. You know, he wasn't here today, but you know, again, yes, there are contingency plans, which I mentioned at the combine and I mentioned at the owner me owners meetings, where you know he can still be a New York Giant. Joe, are you still getting calls? Um, we we've gotten calls on James Bradbury. Yeah, we we have gotten calls on James Bradbury. Joe, when you, 
when you approach this draft, I mean, it's kind of been said that you don't have a lot of salary cap space. You need about 12 million or so, roughly. That's what's been reported. Mm -hmm. How does that influence what you may or may not do as far as trading, moving around, and just, you know, how you just approach everything? Or do you not let that affect you? Yeah, not in this draft. I mean, we're kind of, again, we're, again, contingency plan. So if we stay at every pick, okay, this is what it's going to cost us. If we do move back, there is a cost savings to doing that, but that's not going to drive our decision. We're not going to pass up on a good player, um, you know, to, especially in the draft for a, for a cost savings. You know, that's not going to be the genesis of the, that decision. Said like restructuring was sort of last resort. You did the Adori one. I'm just curious the timing. Why why do it when you did it? Yeah, you know the public websites that they have out there. So there's some things when you're dealing with the salary cap that that they don't necessarily they don't necessarily bake in when they're doing that stuff. So um, there were some things that occurred and we, we had to we had to convert at that time. Building your contingency plans. How soon in the pro? I know this is your first year, but just based on your experience in Buffalo, how soon in before the draft, do you start talking about trade value and potential trade up and trade down scenarios with other teams? Uh, yeah, we're again I'm head down in meetings with coaches, scouts, and everything. So haven't haven't really come up for air to start thinking about that. Hey, does it make sense for us to move back, move up? We're just trying to right now. We're planning as if hey, we got five and seven, and you know the rest of our picks, the second, the two thirds, etc. Um, we have received calls on you know both picks. Um, but again, it's too early. We're still working through our process. It's more, hey, well, let's let's stay in contact as the draft gets closer. Um, you know, again, we'll go through those scenarios. But it's just it's too early right now to to make any type of decision like that. Joe, is there any advantage do you think to being an unknown quantity here? You know, you don't have a track record. You don't have uh, you know a history, a litany. Nobody nobody probably knows what what you're thinking. Is there any advantage to that? Yeah, I, I, there could be, but I think where the picks are, I, I don't sure. I'm not sure that's going to play in as much. It's the it's the fifth and seventh pick. So, um, you know, again, I just know we're going to get two good players, and you know, there's enough needs that we have that, you know, whether I had a track record or not, you know, I think where we're going to go, you know, I don't think anybody would really have a good sense of that. When, when they hired you, you said you had a pretty good idea of the first, I think the first four rounds. Mm -hmm. the first four, has that changed a lot since since you've been here? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We've myself and probably four or five others have seen the entire board. So between myself, Brandon Brown, Tim McDonald, Chris Pettit, you know, we've seen the entire board. We had a couple of national scouts that have have seen quite a bit of the board too. So when we have those conversations, if you're talking about, you know, a receiver at USC and a receiver at Tennessee, you know, you've got multiple looks on those guys that can have those conversations. If it's just an area scout that's seen somebody at USC and an area scout at Tennessee, they can't really enter into that conversation because they haven't seen them both. So, you know, multiple looks along with the coaches on, you know, the entire draft board. Um, again, that's part of our process, you know, that we believe in and that'll help us lead to the best decisions. Joe, you said you received offer or a call about the pick. Have you received any offers for the five and seven? Um, not a hard offer. No, we haven't gotten into negotiations. You know, just some teams call and say, "Hey, would you be willing to move?" And that's kind of where it is right now. And you know, my my comment was, as, you know, as the draft gets closer, you know, we can talk more if there's any specifics. If you're serious about doing, it. I just I think some teams are just fishing around. When you table those discussions, and possibly if they do reach back out to you, does the parameters around that possible or just uh, the spitballing things change or do they come back with a new price? What is the philosophy there? Well, it's it's a situation where I'm I'm perfectly fine at five and seven. So I'm in, if it makes sense and it's something that blows your doors off, then then you think about it. If somebody offers something, nobody's offered anything, you know, hard, you know, offer right now. Um, and it, to me, it really wouldn't make sense 
right now to do anything again unless it you know blew the doors off of us there's like something you can't turn down so um, I think a lot of it right now you'll see you know same as me people are starting to come out of meetings and stepping back meeting with their coaches and now you get into the kind of the the, the planning part of it you know okay if it's a team behind us and they want to move up how can we get there who can we call so just some exploratory calls is typically what will happen now by Monday you'll find out a little bit more who's serious Y'all may figure out before me, you know, who's Jacksonville going to take, who's Detroit, you know, all those rumors. You know, it, it'll pick up steam next week, I think, and there'll be more serious conversations um, if there are teams that are, you know, legit serious thinking about coming up. Joe, from an evaluation standpoint, for you personally, you obviously have a scouting background going all the way back to your days as a scout. What's the biggest lesson that you take into this process of scouting guys that maybe you – you may have made a mistake or maybe you were wrong on a guy. Is there something philosophically that you look at and you say, you know what, this is this is why I believe what I believe? Yeah, absolutely. You're always, you know, I call the autopsy report. After you make a decision, you look back and why did it work, why didn't it work? And, you know, over, you know, 21 years of doing this, you, you've you got a Rolodex of players and situations that have occurred that you can, you know, reflect on and learn from. So to me, the biggest thing is the collaboration, you know, between the coaching staff and the personnel staff, because it doesn't make sense to draft a guy if, if the coaches want no part of him because, you know, they're dead on arrival. You know, as soon as that guy, um, you know, if they're worried about his hands, he drops the ball. You know, they're up in my office. Told you he couldn't catch. You know, I told you, you know, he couldn't do it. So, you know, and again, there's, there's a little bit of um, – you know, how should I say it? Just trying to get the coaches on the same page, you know, whatever it is. Like we joke around about being lawyers, like uh, we're going to present our case to the coaches. We've got to figure out how, how to get them to where we where we want them. So if there's somebody we really like, you know, there's a roundabout way to maybe get them to see it how we see it. Or, you know, again, so to me, the collaboration and it's been outstanding between Dave's and his staff. They've been busting their butt. They've been at pro days. We've had 30 visits, you know, these guys coming through here. We've got six guys in the building today um, that they're meeting with. So they've been phenomenal. So the collaboration and I think um, when the coaching staff and the personnel staff are on the same page on a player, you know, I typically think those are the best decisions. Joe, you mentioned earlier that there were contingency plans where James Bradbury could still be with the Giants. Mm -hmm. How, for lack of a better word, difficult are those contingency plans to enact to keep someone with his cap number here? And also, why don't you need to know that before the draft? Like, it would seem to be, if you do have to make a move with him, a big hole to fill once the draft is already complete. Yeah, I mean, that's a tough part about this job because you know what? Like, James Bradbury is a great, great person, like good player. He he is like I know the two people very well that were in Carolina that drafted him. You know, Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott. They were there, and he's he's a player we had talked about. So, um, you know. I like the kid, I like the skill set. It's just the situation we're in from a financial standpoint. It is what it is, but there are ways that, you know, we can still make it work and, and James can be here. So, you know, if people say, why don't you cut him or trade him or whatever, then there's a huge void. And we're gonna play it out and, you know, see how the draft goes and see what the roster looks like. And there's still contingency plans where we can keep James on the roster. Person, and but it's obviously kind of a cold hard business. Do you have to take into account how the locker room might perceive it? If let's say you keep him longer, 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 and then cut him and puts him in a tougher spot, does that weigh into your decision at all? Or is it strictly yeah, you're always taking that into decision. Yeah, that's part of the process too. You know, you're, you're you think about all that things, but you know, at the end of the day, you got to do what's best for the New York Giants, and he's a he's a still a player that can play at a high level and is a starting corner in the league. So you yeah, have to be working his contract. 
What's that? You'd be open to reworking the contract to lessen the cap hit. I know it's tough. Because I'm not going to get into details, but deal, we've got so. contingency plans. I won't get into details, but we've got contingency Joe, plans. Joe, how do you what, is your, what is your sense or intuition on, you know how the deal goes in these drafts with quarterbacks, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody likes them, and then everybody likes them. Right? You know, and then, then, uh, do you get a sense that at five and seven, there will be teams who are interested in quarterbacks that, you know, that kind of makes this whole thing go when they really want quarterbacks? You know, do you get a sense of how strong the market is and you know, what teams are thinking about these guys? Yeah, not yet. I'm guessing that'll pick up steam, but you know, right now I haven't, I mean, you call around and you ask, nobody's really showed their hands on the quarterbacks. I mean, they really haven't. You know, we know what teams have been where, we know what, you know, again, a lot of where these kids have went on visits and private workouts, and we track a lot of that stuff, but um, really haven't heard a lot on, you know, what teams are high on which quarterbacks. There hasn't been a lot of that. Joe, you said you still want to compete today and build for tomorrow. So mm -hmm. how important are these two first-round picks for today and for tomorrow for this franchise? Yeah, very important, integral. You know, I mean, there's, for Brian and I, it's our first two picks as, you know, New York Giant head coach and general manager. So in, in terms of foundational pieces, in terms of being good players and the type of people we want, it's, it's very important. How do you view a third-round pick? Should you get like a multi-year starter? Is that a place? Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to put any pressure on a guy like that. I mean, I'm just, again, there's the, the hit rate at third round is you know I mean there's a margin for error. Shoot, there's a margin for error across the draft. So I don't want to. I've had guys that you know come in and play and they have good careers. You know, some guys are backups. They're contributors. Um, special teams. You know, I mean, like, yeah, ideally they all turn into starters. But you know, I don't want to put a playtime percentage or anything yeah, on I just, it. Like, it's, I ask because it's been a spot where the Giants have not gotten much out of the third round since mm -hmm. Justin Tuck in 2005, which is a very long time ago. Yeah. I was just curious, having been a scout, what you value the third round as, of starters? or? Yeah, I mean, I, again, ideally they all turn into starters. You, you, you'd prefer that. Um, just looking over the past couple of years, I mean, we had some guys in – you know, where I've been in the past, it's taken them some time to develop, but they turn into good players. You know, some guys, you know, took a couple of running backs in Buffalo. They're, you know, they split time. Um, but again, it's sometimes it's based on the situation, injury, you know, what the success. Yeah, so I don't want to say, yeah, this guy's going to be a starter, and then you guys crush me two years from now. <laughs> you know, as, as the man with final say, do you feel the weight of responsibility? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's uh your first time in this position, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I want to get it right. Joe, uh, last time we spoke to you, you said you were still feeling out what Don Martindale wanted from a player standpoint in his defense. What mm -hmm. what traits do you think you're looking for, and what have you learned about the types of players and skills that he's looking for? Yeah, I'll give I'll give Wink a lot of credit. Like he's. He's very open-minded. You know, he likes players with versatility. You know, he doesn't necessarily have size, length parameters. But when we watch some Baltimore, you know, film, you can just see how much he values versatility and where he can play players and how he can put them in their best position to succeed. So um, he's been really good, really clear, really defined in terms of, you know, what he's looking for. But, you know, the versatility piece is, you know, one of the things that I really appreciate from watching the Baltimore stuff with him and, you know, some of the stuff we're looking for. How much of your first few months on this job have been about not only evaluating uh, players and stuff, but evaluating the scouting staff and front office and guys that are doing the draft evaluations? These are guys that you haven't really worked with before, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. It's part of it. I mean, we're we're in meetings and 
you know, just going through players, whether it's reading reports or, you know, how we do interviews at the Senior Bowl or how we do interviews at the Combine, you know, the information we're getting back from pro days to, you know, just having a couple of weeks of meetings, you know, you're always evaluating everybody. And some of it's just, you know, maybe we're going to do things a little bit different in terms of our process and, you know, who's going to buy in, who's going to excel, who's hand, all hands on deck and, you know, who's adapted. And, you know, the staff's done a great job with that. And it's, there's, there's a lot of good people in this building and that, that have done a really good job over the last, you know, three months that I've been here. Joe, what was the biggest lesson you learned watching Brandon go through this process? Oh, Brandon, through this process. Um, that's a good question. To me, it's a little bit of what I was talking about earlier when the coaches, maybe you don't see eye to eye, you know, how to navigate that um, consensus build, um, get people on the same page if there is a different discrepancy between personnel and the coaching. And then, um, you know, I was fortunate I was in a lot of meetings and dealing with ownership. You know, that's not something you do. Um, when you're an area scout or a national scout or whatever. So, you know, my interaction, you know, being in those meetings with Brandon and, you know, the Pagulas, you know, I, that's something I would have never learned along the road if I wasn't with Brandon. So that was very valuable. How much do you factor in, quote, unquote, like character concerns? Is there, is there some stuff that's, like, non-negotiable? Does it hurt? Like, how do you just weigh that? If there's something there, I'm sure you do a lot of homework on guys to get comfortable. I'm just curious, like, how do you weigh that into your evaluation? Yeah, it weighs heavy. It weighs heavy. So if it's, if it's a guy that, you know, we don't think fits from a character standpoint, we'll just take him off the board and, you know, just if he goes on and has a really good career somewhere else, that's fine. You know, we just got to get it right for what we want in our building. What about, what about terms of durability and like guys who have an injury history? Yeah, yep. Yeah, we just had our medical meeting Monday night, you know, with the medical staff. They've done a great job, you know, at the combine working through all these guys. And then some of the players that weren't at um, Indianapolis, you know, they weren't combine guys, you know, getting that information too. So, I mean, that we take that all into account. And, you know, they're the doctors and the medical folks, so, you know, we lean on them on, you know, what the recommendations are, you know, in terms of taking or not taking a player. Joe, did you have a, a, couple, more, you have a, a couple more? Did you have a, uh, like, a draft day routine in last couple of I used to golf when there was less pressure. <laughs> uh, how, you know, obviously, how, what do you think it's going to be like next Thursday? Uh, probably long. Yeah, probably a long day. Yeah, I mean, I'll probably get up and just come in here. And I mean, I'm in a temporary apartment right now, so I'm probably not going to sit there. Uh, probably too anxious to golf. So yeah, and I'll probably come in, get a workout in, um, make some phone call, you know, get call around the league, you know, call our general managers, um, see if you can get any information on, you know, what's going on in front of you. And, you know, again, probably take some calls if people are calling and looking to move up. So um, yeah, it'll be exciting. It's, it's something you dream about. And, you know, for it to, that day to finally be here, it'll be, it'll be really cool. Do you think there'll be a lot of outgoing calls? Yeah, I'll be calling to try to get information. <laughs> that would be the outgoing calls. Do you sit in your mind and say, if I take five and seven, I know in my mind I'm going to get two surefire starters? You would like to think that. I'm not, again, I'm not going to label these guys are going to be surefire starters. There's so many, you know, there's, there's so much that goes into it. Again, I'm not perfect. You're, you're evaluating an imperfect human being. And, you know, again, I don't want to, you know, put anybody under that type of pressure. But, yeah, we're going to get two guys that we think fit, you know, from a character standpoint, you know, from an athletic standpoint as a football player, and it's going to mirror up to what we're looking for. So I'm, I'm confident we'll find somebody that checks all those boxes. Is the depth of this draft, though, enough where there will be a lot of starters? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I really can't answer that. Um, it's a good it's a good draft. There's depth in the draft. You know, again, there there is depth throughout the draft, um, you know, late into the first, second, third. 
um, you know, I do think it's a good draft, and you know, that's my job and our staff's job to identify those players, you know, fourth, fifth as well, you know, and on. So when you came here, you, you mentioned how you'll. There's a reason why these jobs are open. You know, you get the roster, you get, you know, the, you don't have the Pro Bowl players and coaches, things like that. Is, is, is one of the things that really was good about this job is what you have as far as capital in this draft? I mean, very yeah. rarely you come in and say, you got five and seven, go. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, having two top 10 picks, I mean, that's, that's definitely a good way to set the foundation and get two really good players, you know, early on. And, um, you know, again, it's, that you're not sitting at 15 or 20 and, you know, trying to figure out who's going to be there. So the fact that you can, you know, we can list seven players and know that we're going to get two of them, you know, it makes it a little bit easier. But, um, yeah, that was definitely an attractive part of the job. You get 36 like that, sort of, as well? Yeah, and the good thing about 36 is you get all day Friday to, hey, we're the fourth pick, you know, in the, in the second round. So same deal. You can do another vertical stack. Hey, we know we're going to get one of these four. If there's 10 you like, well, shoot, maybe somebody calls, you can move back and get another pick, and you're going to get one of those guys. So all that stuff will go into play. Is it concerning to you that Kadarius Tony is not here, has not reported yet, doesn't have the playbook? It's it's voluntary. I mean, everybody, you, you, nobody's asked about the other guys that aren't here. I mean, there's everybody's. It's life. Life happens. And I've had good conversation with Kadarius, and we've been in contact. And at the end of the day, it's voluntary. But that's that's what it is.